This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I invite you to take your Bibles and let's go to the book of James. James chapter 5. Today, again, is a day that churches have set aside to pray for the persecuted church. As the under-shepherd here at Good News, I'm very interested in how you view persecution. All of us know it happens. Many of us wonder, though, how we will respond when it happens to us. And yet, some of us here have already experienced it. And I want to just say, don't dismiss it in your mind. When you suffer for the name of Christ, the Lord sees that. Say, but I haven't suffered unto blood, so is it really persecution? Oh no, it's persecution. We know people whose families here have disowned them. We know men and women who have lost their jobs because they dared to speak. They weren't mean and ornery, just dared to speak for the truth. Most discerning Christians understand that persecution is coming, and we should all be aware that the Scripture says that persecution is assumed unless you're hiding your Christianity. Pastor Brown has already reminded us of 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so for those who are facing life-threatening persecution, and those who are not facing it yet, but we know it's a probability potential reality in our futures. We need to see that the Scripture gives us one essential spiritual character trait to help us endure persecution. So as you look to the future, as we move into the future, you and I must possess this trait from the Lord. You're not going to be able to produce this yourself. It's what he's going to have to do in you, but do this in you. But you're going to have to have this trait in order to be ready for persecution. Now that spiritual character trait is patience. I had someone just a week ago say, Pastor, the Lord's dealing with me about this. When are you going to preach a message on patience? <laughs> well, here it is. But we've also already looked at it, and you know, some of this message will remind you of things that we've looked at in the Sermon on the Mount. We've already seen this. Okay? So we need patience. And so I've entitled our message this morning, Patient in Persecution. Patient in Persecution. In James 5, the apostle challenges Jewish believers to be patient. Look at verse 5. James 5, verse 5. 
I'm sorry, verse 7. There it is. Be patient, therefore. Okay? Be patient. That's the challenge. And this will continue through verse 11. Now let's read the rest of verse 5. I'm, I'm sorry, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Now you have to ask the question, that word therefore at the beginning of verse 7, what is it there for? Okay? Well, it's there because of the previous section that really is summed up in verse 6. Look at it. Ye have, and he's speaking to those in those first verses of the chapter, ye have condemned and killed the just. And he, the just, or she, the just, doth not resist you. This is a persecution passage. That's what it's there for. And so when you get to verse 7, be patient therefore, in order to respond properly to the earlier verses, we are going to have to possess patience. That's what it's there for. Now, let's just go back and quickly look at those previous verses. And here's a warning to rich oppressors. You already know from Scripture that the love of money is the root of all what? Evil. Evil. Okay? All this talk about needing to distribute the wealth and taking care of anybody or everybody, it's baloney. Okay? It is about holding people down, oppressing them so that a few at the top can still get wealthy. There's hardly anything more hypocritical on the planet, for instance, than communism. There are a few at the top who get very wealthy while everybody below serves. And so in this passage, the Holy Spirit through James says, here's a warning to them. Look at verse 1. Go now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is canker, that's just the idea, it's corroded, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and ye shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Now remember that. You may be gathering all this wealth, but there is an end coming. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, they cry, is the idea, and the cries of them that are reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. That word Sabaoth is the word for hosts. You know, people have possessed armies, but nobody has an army like God's army. Okay? Ye have lived in pleasure in the earth and and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he hath and 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 he doth not resist you. All right. So, what's this saying? There's a warning here against social media giants who are worth multiple millions, and yet Twitter, Facebook, Google. They restrict the truth, especially when it's truth that agrees with God. So they block biblical views 
How about socialist politicians? Oh, we need to tax more. We need to take care of everybody. Yeah, well, you start giving up your millions. Then we'll believe that you're for real. How about billionaire liberals who support all kinds of causes? Uh, all the rioting and everything. You know it's well-funded. All right. Those who are doing the funding, it's that crowd addressed here. How about Communist Party thugs who control the masses and live in luxury? And what about all those who oppose the just, the righteous ones, verse 6? So how did believers not resist? Okay, you go back to verse 6 and it says, uh, you oppressors, you wealthy oppressors, you did these things. And they didn't resist you. How? Here's the question from the text. How did they not resist? And the answer is the patience that James is going to describe for us. And so let's move quickly. Let's begin. Verse 7 is really the encouragement for patience in this affliction. The encouragement for patience in Affliction. I'm going to get right into the text, and we're going to take apart, uh, take it apart, look at the very uh, various nuances here. But it begins with this imperative: be patient. That's a Greek word that talks about patiently enduring without giving up. No matter what you do or what you experience, you don't quit. This and other. Uh, there's another word. Uh, two words really used for patience in this text. This, this Greek word, makrothumeo, and then we'll look at another one later. But you'll see that in our English translation, the word is used six times in these verses, verses 7 to 11. Okay? Be patient, therefore, brethren. There's no doubt that this is talking to Christians. Brethren is used three times in this text. Therefore, brethren, be patient under the coming of the Lord. Now, you see that at the end of verse 7. You're also going to see it again at the end of verse 8. On purpose. Okay? And it speaks of duration. Do you know that your suffering, my suffering, it's not going to continue? That is a blessing. 2 Corinthians 4.17 Paul talked about the light affliction, which is but for a moment. Isn't it great that in the scope of eternity, whatever you and I suffer for the Lord, it's just a moment. Our lives are a vapor, short. But when it comes to our suffering for the Lord, duration, very short. All right. So be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold. In other words, see now. Look at this truth. The husbandman, the farmer, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Now here is where the encouragement is, is especially helpful, helpful to us. Look to the husbandman. Look to the farmer. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. What does a farmer do? He waits for the produce of the soil. In fact, the way the Greek language is here, this waiting is common to all farmers. They toil. They endure the wait as they then reap the fruit. 
All right, so we all know enough about planting, right? That you don't put the seed in the ground, water it, and then three hours later walk out and expect fruit. We're all on the same page there? Okay. All right, put it in the ground and you wait. Weeks, months, depending on the crop. You wait, you wait, you wait, you endure, and you don't quit. Well, there's nothing coming up. I think I'll plow it out and try again. No, you wait. Now, God is good that he allows you to see a little bit of coming up and then a little bit more and a little bit more, okay? Uh, but, but that's the encouragement. Consider the farmer. He waits, and what's he waiting for? Life-giving fruit. You realize none of us would be here this morning if stuff didn't grow on this planet. You say, well, I'm not vegan. I just eat meat. Yeah, well, the, the meat eats the vegan, okay? It, 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 the way God set it up, it's, it works that way. We are dependent on what grows from the ground. But in Jewish times, especially in the Middle East, the way the weather patterns work, there's the early and latter rains. In fact, God promised Israel, if you'll live for me, if you'll obey me, I'm going to bless you so much that the planter will pass the harvester. He's trying to get it out of the field, and you're ready to plant again because you can get a second crop. That's what this is. So the encouragement is for you and me as God's people, look to the farmer. Bear up, be patient, endure. Why? You will reap if you faint not. Okay? Yes. And I heard somebody mention this passage. Just tried to quote it. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed. What's the weeping? It's hard. There's patience. You know, safe farmers, they pray. They don't get rain from the Lord. Nothing happens. All right. And so... He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So that is the encouragement. Verse 8, be ye also patient like the farmer. Establish your strength in your hearts. Make your heart stable on the basis of the truth that I'm sharing with you. Establish your hearts in anticipation of a great harvest. And then again, this reminder, he's already stated it once, but here it is, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And you can go through the scripture and find promises. How the Lord said, if you'll do it my way, through my power, I guarantee you blessing. There will be reward. There will be fruit for your labor. It goes all the way back to the uh, Old Testament. I love the two passages in Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse 10. Isaiah 62, verse 11. Where we're told that the Lord is coming back. And it says this in both those passages. And His reward is with Him. His reward for who? His servants. Alright, so this encouragement for patience is that in persecution there will be reward. Just as the farmer trusts nature's God to produce a harvest, so Christians must grow, must not grow weary in well-doing. We will reap, Galatians tells us. This is meant to strengthen our hearts when we feel like the opposition to our Christianity will end the harvest. We saw a video of an actual event that happened in Afghanistan. 
The tendency is to think, oh no, that missionary's not there, the harvest has ended. Oh no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. Jesus is coming soon, but in the meantime, he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what he said. And we've already been reminded, the blood of the martyrs is, this, is the seed of the church. Church history shows us that the greatest reaping has come in times of the greatest persecution. So after James gives encouragement for patience and affliction, he identifies an enemy that can hinder needed patience within the church. And so next, let's look at the enemy. We've seen the encouragement for patience. Let's look at the enemy of patience when it comes to affliction. Look at verse 9. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. All right. So how does a lack of patience reveal itself in the lives of the brethren? And I'm speaking to the brethren and the sisterin. Here, how is a lack of patience going to reveal itself? Well, it happens when those who should be standing together in persecution, in the fruit bearing, the persecution of verse 6, the fruit bearing of verses 7 and 8, when those should be encouraging each other, standing together, start picking each other apart. That's the enemy. We expect opposition from the outside, right? But I'll tell you personally, the most opposition I've ever gotten in the ministry has come from the inside. And so verse 9 says, grudge not. Stop complaining and grumbling. That's what it's saying. In the Greek tense here, it means discontinue the action that is already in progress. Stop it. Stop complaining, stop grumbling against one another, brethren. There's the word again. If you go over to James 4, notice verse 11, just across the page. Here's part of it. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. What does it mean to judge the law? Well, the, judge, the, the law said don't do it. And when you do it anyway because you're smarter and know better, then you're saying, well, the, judge, or the law isn't important either. I do what I want because I'm over the law. So, uh, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. You will be judged. Now, very practically, we've probably seen this happen. I, I'm sure a number of people here have been on sports teams. I've witnessed this. I've witnessed it firsthand, and I'll confess there have been a few frustrating times where I've done it, on a, on a ball court, on a soccer field, whatever. How well does it work when the team starts giving each other a hard time? Why aren't you passing me the ball? Why did you do that? And you hear team members starting to holler at each other. Do you know that when that's happening, they're not going to win? Unless the other team is really bad. But when, when they're opposing the other team and themselves, 
a house divided against itself cannot stand. All right? So that is the enemy. It's complaining, griping against each other. And so we're reminded again, another reference to the Lord's coming. It's an encouragement. He's coming. He's bringing reward. Uh, there's a short duration in which we're going to face suffering. But here's the other part of this. If we're picking each other apart, we're not encouraging. He is coming back, and instead of bringing reward, there's going to be chastening. So what's the focus in the application here? The enemy of patience when believers are being afflicted and persecuted is grumbling and complaining. And the Lord promises to chasten saints when they do it against each other. Now, why would complaining be an issue? It's because friendly fire is the most discouraging. It, it just is. When we should be caring for one another in the most difficult times, we're at each other. Okay? What is needed is edification, not complaining. In fact, I smiled when I was studying for the message because I've heard godly saints go to another saint to encourage them. Maybe they're doing something that isn't helpful, and they'll, they'll literally say this to temper their words. Now listen, I love you, and I'm not complaining. <laughs> That's pretty smart. That's in the text. I'm not complaining, but can we do this differently? Can we do this, you know, this way? I think it'll be more helpful. That honors the Lord. Remember that our interaction should be defined by constructive, not critical. And then secondly, how Christians respond to persecution impacts other Christians. All right, even especially in persecuted lands, what I do at my job, what I do in public and so on, it may not just bring persecution on me, it can bring persecution on my church family other believers, and it's easy, and they'll share this with you, when believers aren't careful, it's easy to complain and hold a grudge against them. You put us all in a tougher spot because. All right. So if we ever face that kind of persecution here, you know what the answer will be? Be, be edified, all right? Be constructive. Don't criticize. That's not helping anybody. even if what somebody else has done potentially exposes the rest of us to greater persecution. And oh, by the way, come back tonight, and you're going to see that in the film. Very clearly defined in the film. So the Holy Spirit uses James to give us encouragement for patience and affliction and a warning about the enemy of patience, a critical, complaining spirit among God's people. I would just remind us, and if you weren't here for the message in... Uh, our series in Mountaintop Living. Go back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 22 to 26. Do you know what's really hard in persecution when within the body of Christ there are heaven's haters? Remember that message? Well, we just looked down on it. By the way, you're empty-headed. What would you do that for? Be careful. This portion of James 5 closes now with further help as James names the examples of patience in affliction. 
So the film tonight, it will show us this, the events of the film tonight really happen. In some cases, the names have changed to protect the innocent or the not-so-innocent. Okay, uh, But isn't it helpful to be able to look at examples and how they respond to persecution? Well, that's verse 10 and verse 11. To be patient, we can learn from the patience of prophets, plural, who have gone before. So look at verse 10. Take my brethren... The prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord. In other words, they suffered for righteousness sake. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. They spoke for the Lord and reaped the persecution. So those prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord are given to us for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Now note the connection with precious fruit back in verse 7, and also grumbling brethren in verse 9. Let me ask you a question. Did the prophets reap any fruit? Well, the answer is yes, they did. Okay. Was their job easy, or did they from time to time face grumbling brethren? In fact, the Lord would tell different prophets, Isaiah... You know, you're going to go to them and they're not even going to listen to you. And so they faced persecution from within Jewry, within Israel, their own people. So these prophets are great examples. They did reap. God did keep his word. And yet there was suffering that came along with them being faithful to the Lord. Now, look at verse 11. Behold, we count them happy which endure. That word happy is the same word as we find in the Sermon on the Mount and other places. It's actually the word for blessed. Oh, how happy, how blessed are those who will be faithful to the Lord who endure. Now in verse 11, that word endure is the second Greek word used for patience. And I want us to look at it. It does mean to stay under. Some prophets did see hearts turn back to the Lord as they endured. All right? But a specific example is, is going to be given to us uh, later. And here we go. Here's that word again. Ye have heard of the patience. Different word than the earlier one. The patience of Job. Now, how is this word patient? Different. Well, the first word means to bear up. You stay under that load. You stay with it. Lord, not my will, thine be done until the mission is accomplished. This second word, though, means that you bear up under that load and you do it. Here's the difference. Are you listening? Here it is. With cheerfulness. Now, let me just give you an example of that from the New Testament, and we'll go, we'll go back to the text. Remember when Paul and Silas were beaten in Philippi and put in the prison? They kept everybody up all night because they were complaining, it hurts, can't we get some help in here? That's not, what were they doing? They were singing. That's the kind of patient endurance that we're talking about. So they, they, they didn't quit, 
They bore up, but they're cheerful. They're rejoicing. They get to suffer for the Lord. The apostles did in the book of Acts. They get beaten. They go back to the Temple Mount to continue on for God. And they're rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for the Lord. So it's action, but it's also the right attitude. And that's why both words are used wonderfully in the text. So we're, we're, said to look, we're told to look at the prophets. Okay, and then we're going to be told one specific prophet to look at as the greatest encouragement. Now, he's going to surprise you. First of all, most of us don't think of him as a prophet. And certainly, we don't think of him as someone who bore up under the persecution, the affliction, and did it cheerfully. He started out with the right attitude, but towards the end, he was having a hard time. So who is that? Ye have heard of the patience of Job. How many of you have ever thought of Job as a prophet? I hadn't. Now, how, how could Job be a prophet? Well, does he speak for the Lord or does he not? Sure he does. In fact, we have many, many statements that he made, and those statements are given to us under inspiration. Now, later he'll say some things that he shouldn't have. God's going to correct that. Okay, But would you agree with me that he spoke for the Lord? Yes. Was Job persecuted? Yeah, he drew fire from Satan himself. That's persecution. Oh, by the way, did he have any brethren who murmured and complained against him? Uh, that's what makes Job so long, right? They just won't quit. So notice his example to be encouraged. What makes us cheerful and joyful as we consider Job? Well, let's look at the verse. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen... The end, or the intended end of the Lord, what God was doing through Job's suffering. And what do we learn about our Lord? Here it is, the Lord is very pitiful. You know what that word means? Full of pity, he's compassionate. What else? And of tender mercy. Now you didn't see that when you read the book of Job before, did you? God's compassion, His tender mercy directed at Job? No, in fact, you're tempted to think, well, Job, and maybe the Lord treats us this way too, we're just pawns on a chessboard. He and Satan have a little contest, and uh-oh. That's not what the book of Job is about. Do you know that Job is intended to teach us, and I'm so thankful for this passage, the great compassion and tenderness of our God? You say, well, I'm, I'm in persecution, and, and Lord, where, where are you? Where's the help when I need it? Stop. Job had the same thinking, and he discovered God is very, very compassionate and tender. In fact, through that whole thing, was, was God off on a journey? No. 
He had a singular view on what was happening in Job's life. Bible scholars tell us that when God told Satan, you can touch him but you can't kill him, that Satan gave him a disease that could kill him. Why didn't he die? Because our God is compassionate and he has tender mercy towards us. So you get a slip in the mail or an email at work that says, you know what, you're done here. Because you were taught the sensitivity training and you weren't so sensitive. Say, no, no, I I just spoke up and said, you know what? The scripture condemns that. This goes against my religious beliefs. I can't participate. Is God interested in that? Stop for a moment. Compassionate and full of tender mercy. And by the way, truth will be justified by her children. God's going to take care of you. So bear up under the persecution and be joyful. Be cheerful. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure I can do that. Well, go back and study James 5. God wants to give you that patient endurance so that you can stay in the work. There isn't a persecuted saint on this planet who doesn't have the singular, compassionate, tender eye of God. So let's close. What is the spiritual trait that you must have for the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit, in persecution? Say it with me. One word. Patience. Say it again. Patience. Patient endurance that doesn't quit, that stays in there to do the will of God like our Savior did. That's the action along with the right attitude. Do it cheerfully. What an honor to suffer for the Lord. Our hearts can be strengthened because we will reap if we faint not. But we can expect enemies from without. First part of James 5. But we can also expect that from time to time there will be enemies from within. Fellow believers who gripe and complain and who lose focus and maybe give us a hard time as we're trying to stay true to the Lord. If you're one of those complainers this morning, if you're given to that, you need to confess it to God. Ask for Him to give you an attitude change. We need each other now. And as we get closer to the Lord's return, we're going to need each other more and more. And then go to the scriptures, re-examine the examples of the prophets, especially Job. And let God encourage you. You say, well, God doubled everything that Job had. Is God going to do that for me? doesn't promise that. But all that is an illustration of what he can do, and he will do what's best for you. But you can depend on his absolute love and compassion and he will be, give you the grace, everything you need for the moment that you need it. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this text. Give us patience and develop in us. Develop it in us that we may be ready for whatever persecution we might face. Now, Father, you prepare us for those times when we face opposition from unsafe family members. We face opposition in the workplace sometimes. 
in the media. Uh, Lord, we can even face it from Christians who are not right with you. And you use that to prepare us. But Lord, would you grow in us this important character trait, this spiritual fruit of patience. Thank you for the privilege of suffering for you. But help us to live godly in Christ Jesus that we might know that privilege. And Father, would you now work in this assembly as you've been working in hearts through your word. And Lord, help us to respond to whatever you have convicted us about today. And Lord, help us be ready for persecution. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.